Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 5 in our Old Testament Bible History series. In this lesson, we're going to learn about two of the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. You can follow along in your Bible in Genesis 4. Before we begin, I'd like to imagine that if you had a brother, you and your brother were asked to go clean up your rooms. And your brother went willingly to clean up his room, and you went because you had to. And so your brother did a very good job while you sat around in your room and pretended to be working and read a book while your brother was quite diligent. And then when your parents come to check on you, they reward your brother's good job by allowing him to go outside and to play. While you are required to stay inside because you didn't do your work. Can you recognize that you could feel jealous of your brother there? You might not want your brother to be able to have something nice to be able to go outside because you are not allowed to have it. We call that envy. A second question for you is, if you were to be asked why you were friends with someone and you said, well, I'm a friend with him because I have to be, well, that doesn't sound like a very good friend, does it? You'd much rather have your friend say, I'm friends with him because I want to be. So let's remember that. Are you friends with someone because you have to be friends with them? Or are you friends with them because you want to be? So in this story, we right away see two young men bringing an offering to the Lord. It's clear that God must have given Adam some instructions that the way in which Adam was to serve and worship him was to bring him an offering. And so Adam has also told his sons about this. And here we have Cain and Abel both bringing an offering to the Lord. Cain is coming from his field because he's a grain farmer. And there he has been bundling some grain and he goes into his field and he takes a bundle of that grain and he prepares it and he's bringing it forward to offer it to the Lord. But if we were to listen to Cain, if we were to listen to what he's saying to himself, we might hear something like, I don't really want to bring this grain. It's valuable. By me offering it, I'm going to waste it. I'm not going to do anything with this. Why would this grain be burned up? I don't want it. Why do I have to bother with this? I'm only doing this because my dad's making me do it. 
But if we look over here at Abel, Abel is coming from a pasture because he's a shepherd. And he has been in his flock and he's been looking for a sheep. He's been looking for the best sheep. And he picks it up and he looks at its coat. He makes sure there's no spot on it. He makes sure this lamb does not limp. He looks in the lamb's eyes and makes sure they are clear. And once he is sure that he has, has his best lamb, he brings it forward and with a serious look on his face, he kills it. And then he offers it to the Lord. While he does this, he looks up to heaven and he prays and he gives thanks that the Lord has been so good to him. And he asks the Lord to forgive his sins. God sees both Cain and Abel bringing these sacrifices and he also sees what is inside their hearts. He sees their thoughts. And so with a sign from heaven, probably fire coming down and burning up the sacrifice of Abel, God shows that he is pleased with the sacrifice of Abel. We could read in the Bible that the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Why is this? Are not Cain and Abel both sinners in the eyes of the Lord? Are they not both the same? Well, this is true. They are both sinners. But remember, the Lord sees the heart. He sees the trust and the love in the heart of Abel. And he sees the anger and the envy and the hatred in the heart of Cain. When this fire comes down from heaven and that sacrifice is consumed and the smoke rises up to heaven, Abel is happy. He is happy to offer his lamb to the Lord because he knows that everything he has comes from God anyway. Cain, on the other hand, is angry. He wants to, he, he doesn't want to bring this sacrifice. He only brings it because he has to. And so he's envious and he thinks that awful Abel, I can't stand it that he loves to offer his lamb to the Lord. He hates to see that Abel's sacrifice is accepted and that his is rejected. But really deep down, it's because Cain hates God and that's why he envies Abel. He's angry with God. And so what, is Cain, what does Cain do after this? Well, in order for us to find, find out that, we need to go back a little bit to the Garden of Eden. And remember that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they were sent out of the garden by God. And soon there is a child born to Adam and Eve and that's Cain. Eve sings, I have been given a man from the Lord. It's possible that she thought already that this son that was born to them was already this promised seed how quickly they would find out as parents that this was not the case. Soon another son, Abel, is born. Adam and Eve taught their sons. They told them stories about how beautiful it was in the Garden of Eden when they were in a good relationship with God. They taught their sons about their own rebellion and how they sinned against God and how they brought evil into the world. And they also taught their sons about that promise that God told them, that you can find in Genesis 3, verse 15. Both Cain and Abel are listening to this. Cain doesn't believe this promise, 
But Abel does believe this promise. He has faith. He trusts the Lord. We can read in Hebrews 11 verse 4 that by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So we can see that the key difference is faith. And so after this sacrifice is accepted from Abel and Cain's is not accepted, God comes to Cain and he seeks him out and he says, Cain, why are you angry? If you do well, your offering will be accepted also. He shows Cain that if you offer with a willing heart, believing God's promise, then your sacrifice will be accepted also. But he says, if not Cain, then sin lieth at the door. This probably means that be careful, Cain, because one sin can easily lead to another sin. And we soon see that it does. Cain's anger soon leads to revenge and murder. And so, what we find out is that this spiral of sin gets deeper and deeper. Cain remains angry and he looks for revenge and he's planning to take revenge on his brother Abel. And so one day they find themselves out in a field and Cain and Abel are talking together and Cain kills his brother Abel. We can read in 1 John 3 verse 12 that Cain killed Abel because his, his own works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. We can already see that at this time, Satan is trying to stop that promised seed from ever being born. There lies Abel on the ground, dead. Maybe Cain buries him, maybe not. But we do know Cain runs away. And later on that day or that night, Cain and Abel do not return home. Adam and Eve they go out looking for their sons and they find their dead son, Abel. What sadness must have been in their hearts. Oh, they must have remembered the Garden of Eden and how that was so nice. Then they remembered their rebellion against God and how they brought sin into this world. And when they see their son laying dead in front of them, they see that this is the effects of their own sin. God comes to Cain as he is running away, and he says, Cain, where is your brother? He is giving Cain a chance here to tell the truth and to repent, to ask for forgiveness. But Cain instead lies about it. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Do I need to look after him? God does not answer Cain's disrespectful response, but instead he Shows Cain, you're guilty. I know that you have murdered your brother. He says, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Cain's blood or Abel's blood is asking for justice. Instead, we see here that Cain does not ask God for mercy. He receives the punishment that he deserves. God tells him, Cain... The earth will no longer be very good for you as a farmer. You will be cursed by other people. They will not want to be near you. You will be a wanderer, Cain. You're not going to receive any rest for the rest of your life. People will not like to be near you. Your conscience will bother you. And so Cain says, that's not fair. My punishment is greater than I can bear. 
We see here this is the first time that Cain begins to acknowledge what has happened. He says, I'm sorry for my punishment. I'm not sorry for the sin. He is sorry that his punishment is so great, not that he sinned against God and murdered his brother. And so he complains to God that he will not receive rest and that this punishment is too great for him. And so God sets a mark upon him that people will not kill him when they see him. Cain continues to rebel. We can see in verse 16 that he went out from the presence of the Lord. Today we would say that Cain stopped going to church and put his Bible away and stopped praying. Cain began to live in the land of Nod, and there he built a city and he named it after his son Enoch. What we see here in the next verses is a very quick summary of the next seven generations of Cain's family. It's clear that they've been blessed in a skill of music making and building things and inventions and metalworking. And there's one person in particular that is brought to our attention, and that's Lamech. Lamech is known for being a very wicked man. He breaks God's law of one man and one woman being married, and he takes two wives. And then he sings a song to these two wives, and he says, and he brags about the revenge that he has taken on someone who has wounded him or hurt him. And he says, I have taken revenge on them. And so here we have a very deep descent into sin. Adam and Eve have blamed someone else for their sin. And then we have Cain denying he sinned. And here we have Lamech bragging about his sin. Next, the biblical account takes us back to Adam and Eve. They must see the effects of sin on their family. And they see that it's their own fault. And even in this sadness, God still sends them some comfort. He sends them another son, Seth. And the name Seth means chosen or appointed. And Eve says, God has chosen another seed for me instead. So yes, Seth is being appointed or set aside for a special task. The son of Seth is Enos. And the Bible tells us that it's in the days of Enos that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. We begin to see a separation now between the different, the different families of Cain and Seth. There's a separation between the religious and the rebellious, between the faithful and the faithless, between the church and the world. So we have, in this story, we have Abel being killed, and at that time, then, the fear of the Lord, religion, was being persecuted and pushed underground. And then with the birth of Seth and in the days of Enos, when they began to call upon the name of the Lord, then religion is reviving. And men begin to publicly call upon the name of the Lord and to worship the Lord openly. So we can see here that with the persecution of the church, the church will actually grow. What is the connection of this story of Cain and Abel and later the birth of Seth? What is the connection for us today? How is it useful for you and I in our life today? Well, we right away see that 
the promise God gave in Genesis 3 verse 15 will for sure come true. God is not going to allow the, the, the plans of Satan to disrupt his own plan. We see that God takes care of his church. While the church is persecuted, for, for example, Abel is being persecuted and killed by Cain, God takes care of that church. While it's being persecuted, he will see that that church will not die. There will always be a church that worships the Lord. And that persecution is going to be used to grow the church. We see here that Seth is born and set aside for a special task. And that special task is going to be seen far off into the future when the Messiah will be born from Seth's family. We see here who God is. God is merciful. He punishes Cain and Cain complains that people will kill him when they see him. And so God sets a mark on Cain so that when people see him, they will not kill him. We see that God is just and righteous. He is not going to allow sin to happen without punishing it. He told Cain that he would be a wanderer. And by setting that mark on him, he ensures that people will not kill him and he will for sure wander for the rest of his life. We see that God is almighty and all-knowing. He knows the hearts of Cain and Abel. He knows what their thoughts were. Pray that the Lord would make us truthful before him. God sees these, the, the hearts of Cain and Abel. He sees their sacrifices. He saw the differences between the sacrifices and he saw the differences in their hearts. He saw that the one sacrifice was an animal, the other grain. The one was killed the other was not killed. He saw the faith and the trust in Abel's heart. He saw the envy and the anger and the hatred of God in Cain's heart. The next thing we see, a very practical lesson, is that we have a great responsibility to take care of our neighbor. We can see that it's the the faith in our heart that God looks for. That's what matters. God sees the inside. We often look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the inside. The next thing we can see is that after sin, forgiveness is available. Cain was not immediately punished. With Adam, after he sinned, repentance was not an option. But after Cain sins, he could repent. God shows Cain how to be accepted, how to have his sin pardoned, and how to have his honor restored. The last thing we can learn is something that we can also read in Hebrews 12. And there it says, the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. What is the meaning of this? Well, briefly, it means the message of Jesus is better than the message of Abel. Or the message of the blood of Jesus is better than the message of the blood of Abel. We can see that the blood of Abel is crying out for justice, but rather the blood of Jesus is crying out for mercy for the sinner. The blood of the animal that 
Abel killed is not able to pay for Abel's sin. But the blood of the Lord Jesus is able to pay for the sins of all his believers. It's enough to pay for the sins of the whole world. And so here we see that the effects of the sin of our rebellion against God is very terrible. God looks at the heart. We've seen that God is looking in our hearts for faith. We see that faith is needed to please God. So we see that also in this lesson there is a very clear connection between Abel and his sacrifice and Christ and the sacrifice of himself. In our next lesson, we're going to look a little bit closer at the family of Seth.